0: From the OGS Studios in Miami, Florida, it's the Obsolete Gamer Show. Uh,
1: Comstar, um, as uh, we were talking about the communications that, that go yeah. between, and one of the things that happened in the First Succession War is the communication uh, capability started to be destroyed as part of the, the battles, and all yeah. of a sudden, like people realized, oh wow, we we have to be able to talk to to these planets, um, and so they they all agreed to um, to to give all of the uh, communication
0: technology to one um, neutral um, uh, yeah. bit of information in the universe flows through them, that there's like, we could be taking advantage of that. They're, they're basically evil at and mixed with the NSA. I love
1: your description of uh, uh, evil, uh, evil AT&T combined with the NSA, which is really <laughs> saying evil, evil, evil three times in a row,
0: isn't it? And now, here are your hosts, J.A. LaRock and Ignacio.
1: And welcome to the Obsolete Gamer Show. I am your host, Jay Aylorach, and I am pleased to be here with Jonathan Wendell, but you know him better as Fatality. Uh, Thank you for coming on. It's it's great to see you here on the video stream, and I have to say that I am extremely jealous of that background because I've been to Vegas and just see that again, you know, especially in this high definition. (laughs) I wish I was there, you know, but I want to say thank you for coming on the show.
2: No problem, man. Yeah, I love the view here. I mean, it's uh, it's definitely an eye-catcher when I'm, uh, you know, s- streaming. Uh, you can obviously see uh, kind of the strip there. And that's uh, nice. You have, you have uh, Aria over here in the pool. Uh, you can see, like, right into the pool, and then uh, over here is uh, Monte Carlo and New York, New York. And then if you go on the patio right here, where I can sit down and chill and relax, uh, you can like, see all the way up and down the strip, like Bellagio. Uh, you can see all the are doing Trump Towers to Mandalay Bay. It's, you can see the whole thing, so it's pretty cool.
1: Very, very nice. And we have the co-host of Alt F4 with us. We have Joshua Shinhe Abusa. What's up, man?
0: Yo, what's up? What's up? <laughs> How's it going? Going pretty good, going pretty good. So
1: we're talking about not just as far as professional gaming, but the, the business of gaming and, and as far as... You know, overall, because when you get into gaming and you're going to make a professional, you know, endeavor out of it, you know, there's all types of aspects of it. You know, whether you're promoting, you're doing your advertising, your social media, things like that. And I know, Fatih, uh, last time we talked, we talked about like a lot of the brands that you were doing, the competitions that you've done in the past. And you know, of course, with Twitch TV, that's one of the big things that's been, you know, going around lately. Everyone's having a Twitch channel. And, you know, before we came on, you were telling us about your Twitch channel. And I just, you know, if you could just give us a, tell us a little bit about that, like, you know, starting a Twitch channel and diving into that, especially with how popular it is. You know, what does it take to put together a channel that stands out and, you know, gets the people to want to watch?
2: Well, I mean, you know, so Twitch channels, I mean... Uh, you know, I've kind of started from the grassroots of, like, basically, you know, I already have kind of a, you know, a, I, have, I have a following on Facebook, obviously. I have a following on Twitter and so forth. I'm building up and so forth. Uh, but, you know, basically taking those viewers and kind of, like, shooting, like, hey, guys, I'm streaming on Twitch TV. Now, the thing about streaming on Twitch TV is that you got to have, like, you know, you got to have the Exploit or the OBS software to stream it. you got to have a webcam. They want to make sure they verify that you're the person that's, actually doing the job so they want to see you interact with you Um, you have to also the biggest thing I had to is I had to build almost basically a new computer to stream Uh, one solution is to do a dual PC stream but there's so many things of audio and so forth a lot of people aren't going to have the equipment to do all this stuff so building a very powerful computer and overclocking it has become important again uh, for me playing Battlefield 4 and streaming Battlefield 4 in 1080p and 60fps for the streamers to see it in really high quality, uh, you know, I had to build a special computer just to stream uh, really high quality and resolution for people to enjoy the stream. And then you have your overlays, uh, you're trying to get other gamers to retweet and and, and promote you, uh, you have to have connections at Twitch to so even get on the front page, so... My, my relationships are pretty good there to you know at least have my name go up on the front page every so often and then click oh hey fatality streaming let's go watch them stream uh, so that's kind of the the whole idea um, you know the kind of the mechanics I guess of like getting a stream up and going and just starting and then it, your goal is basically to get tons of followers so whenever you go live it shoots emails out and um, your next goal is to get subscribers so you get you know that five dollars a month, and you split that with Twitch, um, and uh, you're looking to run commercials every time you take a break. You know, and and just kind of cash in. I mean, if you can, if you can get, you know, like League of Legends guys are getting you know tens of thousands of viewers when they stream. I mean, they're making money. I mean, they're making probably, you know, I bet they're probably making upward of ten or fifteen grand a month uh, just streaming. Wow, so okay. if you uh, if you get really good at streaming, and you have really good uh, following, and you have a lot of people that want to watch you. I mean, it's, Twitch is a, is mostly about entertainment. You're not. It's not only about you being really good at a game uh, or or whatever. It's also about you being an entertainer. So a lot of these people that are streaming are, you know, some of them are really bad. Um, but they're entertaining. They're funny. They die, and they're like, oh my god, like, I died. I suck, you know. And they, uh, they kind of go along with it, and they say funny things. They have good character. They have good charisma. And uh, each stream is different. That's why you go. That's why uh, people go to a lot of different streams. People go to streams to see some girls' cleavage, you know, and, and they go to other streams to uh, see people uh, interacting with each other to play Dungeons and Dragons. And then you have, uh, you know, people like me, where it's like, come and watch me play at the highest level, you know, or one of the highest levels out there in in these certain games. So um, each each stream has its own unique uh, thing to it, and. Uh, that's why you follow certain people
1: yeah and and that's the thing I know that um, before especially on the, um, on the show that uh, uh, Joshua co hosts all that for we talk about how sometimes you do have people who are just taking advantage of I guess what you would say the gamers who are just going for any uh, the TNA factor and that you'll have some people that'll just you know play that up it's like oh I'm a girl and I'm playing and even if they don't have the skills you know that that's enough to get some um, I guess, some viewerships and some subscribers, but at the same time, you know, I think that you have... And and this goes back just to the past, where people would go up to an arcade and they'd put a quarter down and they'd end up watching people play like Street Fighter. You know, I'm an old-school gamer and I used to watch people play Street Fighter for a long time. And sometimes I'd pick the quarter pack up because I'm like, you know what? I think I'm going to sit here for a while and watch these people play and learn something before I play. And I think that that's a big thing in Twitch too, where you're watching something. I know I watch Starcraft, and you know, yeah, sometimes it's the action so fast you may not be able to learn a lot. But I think you can pick up, um, you know, some some things just by watching it. I mean, would you? Yeah, do that
0: you day? can
2: you can pick up shortcuts you're doing, or you know, th- spots you're missing. You know, five se- five seconds, or maybe you know, two seconds, or whatever. Like, it ta- you scroll across screen where they have everything hotkeyed. You know, um. Uh, same thing when you know. I mean, things I've been releasing demos of me playing Quake since you know back in 1999. So I mean, people download my demos all the time to watch me play. I mean, when I showed up my very first tournament, people were like, "Damn, I love that demo of you versus one guy." I'm like, "Wow, you actually watched it? I, I didn't know." You know, <laughs> you know, I just don't even know. You know, I mean, I, back then I'm just like an 18 year old kid running out with my socks in a tournament. So uh, it was much different back then. But uh, you know, people watch those demos to get better, and they're uh, trying to improve their game and that's kind of what I'm hoping uh, as well when people come to my stream there I'm educating them you know I did a you know in the game Titanfall you know a lot of people don't know you can uncap the frame rate to 144 frames per second or 120 or 100 wherever your Hertz is at the game is actually locked at 60 Hertz uh, or 60 frames per second um, but there's ways to get around it to get more frames to unlock it to see more information. So I made a video on Twitch just like, you know, hey, this is how I did it. And after I got done compiling it and doing all that stuff on Twitch, doing it live, I then highlighted, it, upload it to YouTube, and then, you know, then I just basically, you know, spread the word as much as I can through Reddit and all the social media.
1: Now, I know that you were talking about as far as, you know, where computers are coming back as far as putting one together. And I know that you uh, before we talked about how you were... Um, You had your Fatality brands and, you know, in a way that's how this began and and how I got in contact with you, testing out uh, your sound card. And, you know, I know that as far as this, when you get to the level of where you're playing professional and you're trying to get the advantage of where you want to hear exactly where your is coming from, you want to have the best frame rates, you want to have the best graphics, you know, you've been putting together um, these type of computers and these type of systems where you're going to have the best that you can have. And you have more products that you've been releasing late lately. Can you tell us a little bit about that?
2: Um, Okay, well, I guess you know, I mean, um, for my product line, you know, we've been selling these Fatality headphones forever, about eight years now. Um, They're just, you know, really good bang for the buck. Uh, They're basically the number one PC gaming headphones sold for like fifty bucks or less. Um, We've been. So we sell them like basically around the world, globally. You know, a ton in Europe, uh, also in the USA, and also uh, some in Asia. Um, but you know, we're working with ASRock making motherboards. We just launched launching uh, five new motherboards coming up uh, this May. I'm going to LA to work with uh, Egg to do an interview talking about the product, having the product on site, and and kind of like talking about all the features and so forth. And then um, and then we're actually launching a. Uh, uh, with a new company for power supply units uh, coming up very soon, so I just had a meeting with uh, one of the guys uh, rebuilding that business and so forth um, just uh, last week here in Vegas, and um, we're moving forward on that. So those are the three kind of product ranges I have right now. Um, I'm working on possibly uh, relaunching my mouse pad line, um, and you know I'm just looking for uh, manufacturers and, and uh, companies that are looking to get into gaming, PC gaming, uh, as much as possible. So. That's um, that's an ongoing goal to expand the product line as much as I can for PC gaming, and, um, you know, that's my main focus right now.
1: Do you think that a lot of people have kind of um, pulled back away from building uh, systems? Because I know back in the day, uh, I worked for Alienware, and yeah. there was a period where, you know, people really were getting into building a system, and at the same time, you know, people who either you know, were afraid to build one, then they went to companies like an Alienware and purchased them. Yeah. But then also you had games that were pushing the limits of what, you know, uh, computers could do. Now Nowadays, it's like they're more stretching it out, and I think that, you know, when you saw a difference between, like, EverQuest 2, where it was like, wow, if you couldn't even play it when you cranked it out to max, where World of Warcraft was like, you know what, we're going to make it where lower-end systems can play it, and then a lot of games follow suit. Yes, you had the, you know, high-end games where you could play it with the high-end systems, but then you could still play any other game with the low-end systems. Do you still think that there's that big market for people who are saying, you know what, I want to build my own computer with my own hands with the best, you know, products possible?
2: Well, you know, I think there's definitely, uh, you know, there's a decline in general on PC, uh, you know, PC use, I guess you could say. I mean, obviously the tablets are taking over the world, and so forth. The more casual play games, and so forth. But the thing is, a person that is a PC gamer and knows PC gaming, he's never really going to leave it. Uh, he just knows the power of it. He knows how much immersed you are in the game. He knows the graphics. He knows the controls. It's like you know. It's like in Europe, you know, they're not really into NASCAR over there. You know, they're into Formula One. You know, so they want the best of the best. Uh, and you know anyone that plays on a PC knows they're playing all the games at you know the highest quality, the the best controls. Um, you know, we all know a mouse and keyboard is better than a than a controller, yeah. you know. So, um, and that's just like you know a PC gamer knows that, you know. So there's a lot of knowledge in PC gaming where people are still building on computers. People like building on computers because you do get more. Uh, bang, you know, you get more bang for the buck of speed if you build it yourself. Um, there's more customization, not having all the kind of the free software load on those computers that you buy, you know, custom built or whatnot. Um, but, you know, I, th- I think, you know, it's also just interesting building your own computer. I mean, I I built my computer I have right now. I mean, I, I it was definitely inter- interesting building it. Um, but uh, I think, you know, for a lot of people, I think there's still – they're still into building computers, I, I would think. You know, I mean, we're selling more motherboards than ever right now, and uh, and PC gaming is not going anywhere. I mean, with games like League of Legends, um, you know, Crossfire, you know, in Asia, uh, there's just a lot. Of, there's a lot of games out there that are still big PC games, and people need to build rigs for it. And uh, and obviously, with streaming taking off, people are seeing the power of you know needing a really good computer. So, like I said. I had my computer and it was running what at 3.2 gigahertz stock or something like that, or whatever it was, and I overclocked to 4.6 gigahertz, and yeah. it basically allowed me to stream on OBS with full frame rate. So before, I, when I was at 3.2 gigahertz, my frame rate was like dipping like down to 80s and 90s and so forth, uh, and it was like, man, like you know, how am I supposed to show my skill if I can't even get the proper frame rate while I'm streaming? This is killing me, you know. So. People were watching me play, and they weren't really getting the full effect of like, you know, how how much I can really dominate in the game because of my frame rate issues. Uh, frame rate issues. So then I I uh, I built that computer, and then I overclocked it like crazy, and uh, and then all of a sudden I got full frame rate again. Wow. So you know, then I can play my game on one one machine. I don't have to worry about all these cables going from one computer to our computer, audio lag. You know, there's like five million things that can go wrong. Uh, when, you're, when you're trying to do that. I mean, I probably spent 12 hours a day for like four days trying to figure it all out. eventually got it all set, set up. It was like really, like, it wasn't really done like very professionally. It was just like wires going everywhere. You know, Skype on that, headphones on this. You know, I was like, <laughs> oh, you know, just stop it already. You know, so uh, so the way I have it set up right now works very well. And uh, the viewers say they, they like the stream and they like the quality. So, um, you know, I let them do the speaking.
0: Um, one of my biggest questions would be, I'm noticing now a lot of like the fighting game players, for example. That's I, I mainly play fighting games now. Uh, I used to play shooters. But the fighting game players, the top-end players, like Justin Wong, EGPR Balrog, I was wondering, I know that you were basically... The world champion for a very long time in, in the Quake series and a couple other series of games. What was the biggest transition that you made to help you transition from just gaming in general to, like, being a peripheral spose, spokesperson like you are? Um, well, you know,
2: for me, I, I mean, before I ever really played uh, in tournaments, I always had a desire to make products for gamers because um, when I was... Uh, when I was younger, when I was like 15, 16 years old, I used to get a lot of pain in my wrist from playing for long hours. Um, and it was just like – it was basically a sign of a carpal tunnel syndrome, right? Um, so then I was like, well, how do I fix this? So then I started making this mouse pad. You can see it here. It's a really big one.
0: Oh, wow. Yeah, that is huge. <laughs> yeah.
2: So, you know, so I made I made this, uh, this mouse pad and uh, – Basically I if you if you if you can notice like I actually rest my forearm mm-hmm. on the mouse pad. So I oh. put all the pressure on the mouse pad mm-hmm. and then my wrist can lay more relaxed, you oh, know. Oh that's awesome. So basically the whole idea with the big you know, it's called it was like nicknamed like fat pad, fatality pad, right? Okay. Uh, so I'm you know, I started this when I was on M T V True Life, I'm a gamer. I mean I just I invested like, you know, Thirty grand into like making mouse pads and and you know creating my trademark and copyrights and the whole jazz. I made like fifty grand in five months selling mouse pads. Oh wow! Uh, so then um, so then companies were coming at me and uh, they wanted to you know sponsor me and so forth and you know even Creative Labs offered me two hundred thousand dollars for two years and uh, you know I turned it down. Uh-huh. Um, because you know, for me, I want I wanted to create a brand for gamers, you know. And I thought, you know, hey, I'm, you know, I'm an original gamer. I'm the original guy who basically said, like, hey, I'm gonna play games full time for a living. And I was like, why not create a brand, like kind of like a Nike for for gaming, yeah, uh, for PC gaming goods. So I was like, well, Fatality sounds about right because in every esports game we do, our job is to kill our opponent. So, <laughs> so, 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 Fatality Gaming Gear just came, came, uh, came to me, and back in two thousand two. It's been over twelve years now, and um, and the companies I've worked with, you know, we uh, we work together to collaborate to develop and design uh, the products. So, like even like my, my headphones, I made. Mm-hmm. Um, I created the removable microphones. So this that microphone actually remo- removes. Oh wow! So this was been back. I invented this back in two thousand six, before this was even on the market. So I had a lot of insight into early design on PC gaming hardware, what a gamer would want and need, but also people might want to wear these headphones like in the bus or in the train or, or when they're traveling, or whatever. So they can remove that microphone and not look like a complete dork uh, with this, you know, microphone in front of their face while they're on the plane or bus, and they can rock a normal pair of headphones. So kind of going for like the beats by Dre. Uh, mentality. Yeah. But, but like, you know, eight years ago. <laughs> so um so in and and today we sell so many of these worldwide right now. Uh they're still a huge hit. Uh mainly bang for the buck and then also the quality of bass and, and sound they get for the, the, the price and value uh is really uh second to none for that. So you know, we've been selling these headphones like hotcakes for about eight years now and um and then you know another company just came along. You know, I mean, everyone was like, okay, we'll make Fatality products, and uh, that will be like our, you know, our Halo gaming division, and we'll sell gaming products. So, so every company I work with, like ASRock, we're the gaming division uh, for the new power supply uh, units we're doing. We're the gaming division. So if you're gonna build anything gaming related, we cover the gaming section. Uh, mm-hmm. So, so that's that's basically my whole life goal with Fatality gaming gear. You know, just, uh, you know, making parks for gamers. And, uh, you know, I've been able to give back through the community, sponsoring gamers, sponsoring tournaments, uh, sponsoring leagues, uh, you know, tons of things throughout my years uh, in competitive gaming. So, um, you know, I think I'm in a good spot right now. I think the brand still has a lot more to grow. Um, but uh, it's, you know, we've broken the $100 million mark, uh, you know, not too long ago wow. uh, of sales of Fatality Gaming Gear. So, you know, we. Um, we're definitely moving in the right direction. It just, uh, it's a matter of like just getting picked up by the right people and the right distribution and, and uh, getting the right teams involved. But right now, we're feeling very comfortable with the three we have right now.
1: Where does the foresight come from where you can say to yourself, because I, I think what will happen is, is that you, know, you have a lot of people who may have a chance to get you know a taste of either a success or a little fame, and what will happen is is that maybe a company will come along, like what, what happened with you in creative, and they'll say, hey, we'll offer you this or that, and it may be hard for them to turn away. Maybe they'll be afraid to, to say, you know, I'm not going to take it. You know, where did you draw from? You know, was it maybe family influences, friends, a mixture? Where you said, you know what, I'm gonna make this move, which of course turned out to be the right one.
2: Um, yeah, you know, it was a big deal because that was the biggest deal I've ever been offered uh, in my esports career. You know, and uh, but the thing is, you know, I was taking off. You know, I was that was I was definitely on the upswing. I could see the brand having a lot of power in the gaming community. Um. So I, I saw a huge opportunity there for me to get VC money and run 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 it with it with you know people that had money that would want to get into esports or into PC gaming goods. Um, I just uh, you know I had a, I had a really good feeling. I already I mean I already sold so many mouse pads. You know like I was like all I need to do is find a bigger and better product I can make even more. You know so I was die hard about the business and brand uh, back in 2002 2003. And then, two thousand four, two thousand five came around. I was still blowing up, and still like you know, I was getting the front page of Business Week. Uh, I got front page of, uh, I got 60 Minutes. I got MTV. I got you know, I mean, just around the globe. I mean, I, I you know, my PR firm that I had, we did an estimate on how much PR I actually received, uh, and I never paid for any of the PR, right? Um, but how much the PR was worth, and it came back of like my PR that at that time was worth the amount I already received and done was worth like over like $80 million. So just, I mean, no one could even pay for it. You know, I mean, I just, uh, I was in the right place, right time. And I was, I was uh, the first guy really to basically play pro gaming as a sport and make a, make a really good living at doing it. And, uh, and, you know, I just, I had a lot of confidence and, uh, you know, these companies just, you know, they just wanted to use you and dump you. I mean, the problem was, you know, maybe a year or two before uh, Creative came came at me with that deal, I got offered a quarter million with another company, and um, and I did that deal and I never got paid. Uh, uh-huh. So so I was like, you know, you know, well screw screw you guys. Like I'm not falling for this again. You guys are making millions off me. Uh, you know, or you know, you you know I'm I'm not saying exactly, but I mean the amount of PR and exposure I'm getting them is worth millions. Um, so. You know, I just basically said, you know, I'm done with the sponsors. You know, I just got fed up with sponsors. I was like, you know, I'm gonna do my own thing, my, my own brand. I'm gonna die and survive by myself. I didn't want, I, don't, I didn't want to rely on anyone. I didn't want to, you know, you know, I just didn't want to rely or trust anyone really. Um, so basically, you know, Creative came along, offered me a deal. I said no, and then a month later, they said, okay, let's let's do it. Let's uh, we'll just do a royalty deal. We'll we'll pay you on all sales. You know, so that was the best deal of my life, uh, you know, and basically allowed me to, uh, you know, to, to live here and to uh, <laughs> you know, uh, to play games for the rest of my life, you know, basically kind of thing. Um, and um, it's just really worked out really well uh, making that move. And, you know, I just – I really believe in the Fatality Gaming Gear brand as a PC gaming brand. So my, my really my, long to- my long-term lifetime goal for Fatality is – to be like a Nike for gamers, you know, and you know we're only ten, we're only ten years into it. Let's see where we're gonna be in forty years. You know, I mean, um, I don't have any plan on stopping. Um, you know, I'll, I'll do whatever it takes to make sure it keeps going. And uh, you know, you just gotta be in the right place, at the right time, and find the right people that want to help you push you to the top. So, um, I think persistence will always pay off, and just be patient. Um, you know,
0: definitely. Yeah, I agree with that. Um... What was the hardest jump you think you made uh, from, from being a, uh, like, it basically, you started your company by yourself, so you had a lot to learn from yeah. from just self-marketing and stuff. When did you make that jump, like, and how did it feel to yourself? Like, how did it feel, you know, going from just being a gamer, just flat out being a gamer, to having to live off of hoping that you would strike big with, with, with your company, which you have? Like, You've made
2: well, it I, I made I made a tr- I mean, it was all happening at the exact same time. So it wasn't like it was like I'm done playing video games, now here's the company. Uh it was like I built the company while I was getting big and fa- you know, you know, famous and worldwide renowned, you know, professional gamer kind of thing, whatever, right? So, um so basically, uh, you know, I was very fortunate enough to start the brand while I was still getting a tons of PR, tons of uh no- no- notoriety and so forth. And um, you know, I did have to find a business team to help me take me to the next level because I st- in reality, I still had to win tournaments. Um, yeah. So from like 03, 04, 05, 06, you know, um, 05 be my biggest year in eSports. I won like 230 or 240 grand that year playing uh, Painkiller. Uh, oh, wow. and, that's, and that's when I got featured on 60 Minutes. I mean, I mean, what? how can you not launch a business better than being on 60 Minutes and then winning the world title? Seriously. Uh, so, so, so it was like I really like rolled into like the best possible situation like over and over again. And, wow. um And, you know, I mean, obviously I still had to win those tournaments or win those events, but, you know, I just, you know, I, I knew how important it was to win those tournaments at that time. So my training regiment, I mean, I flew in like five guys to train with me at my home in Missouri at the time. Uh, you know, I got the best training. I, I traveled, you know, all twelve months that year around the world. I lived in basements of pa- families' houses in Germany, uh, where <laughs> where no one spoke English. You know, only like the seventeen-year-old kid spoke English, and I trained with him to go play in a German uh, tournament. And then I went to uh, Sweden and you know, sleep at some apartment uh, right there in downtown. And you know, I mean, I just I literally traveled around the world training and living. You know. Under sheets or on the floor or on the you know wherever it took to train uh, to make sure I was the best well trained to win these tournaments and set myself up and uh, it basically all worked out and uh, you know that's kind that's kind of the story I guess right
0: how, how did it how did it uh, how did you end up handling like tournament nerves for example because I know that that's that's a common thing for for beginning and novice players when they start playing in tournaments well, especially I, in fighting games.
2: I think uh, you know it came a lot from like you know being younger and playing sports my whole life. I used to play billiards a bunch when I was younger, mm-hmm. so that's an individual sport as well, and it's all up to you to make the shot, all up to you to make the you know to run the table, leave it leave a precise shot and so forth. So I learned a lot of strategy from that. And actually, my very first tournament for that, I shook I shook like crazy. I mean, I was like 12 years old or something. I couldn't shoot a ball in, and and I was like, what's going on? Why am I shaking? Why is this happening to me? Like, you know. The nerves of getting nervous, right? And I was like, and then my dad explained to me, is like, you know, you get nerve, you know, da da da. I was like, okay, that's never happening. I'm just freewheeling. I'm just swinging away. If anything, I'm gonna hit it hard, you know, like, you know. But like, you know, I I got back in the moot. It got back into the groove. We did a tournament maybe three or four months later. I took second in that tournament. Uh, so I was like, wow, I got the jitters out and so forth, right? And then I start going to tournaments. And one of my biggest secrets, uh, you know. Uh, not a whole lot of people know about uh, is I used to cross my legs every time I competed, so I would always have my 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 legs at the bottom crossed. Oh, wow. this, w- this would stop me from like kind of like you know tapping my, you know tapping you my it? foot, and yeah. tapping your feet will then eventually lead to your hands getting uh you know uh, bouncing and, and jiggly, um, you know or whatever. And um, so I would always cross my ankles. Um, I would always wear a long sleeve. Like If you watch any of my tournaments, I always wear a long sleeve, and mm-hmm. I would just pull up the right sleeve a little bit so I could rest my forearm uh, on the on – the, On the mouse. Oh, yeah, on the mouse. So – and then uh, basically that would uh, – th- that uh, – you know basically the reason why I kept a long sleeve on was because it kept me warm. Um, so – that helped me a ton you know. in tournaments. Like when you get cold, you start getting slow, you get nervous. Like yeah. you look at athletes, they wear, they wear warm-ups all the time before they get out on the field because they want to be warm and loose. So in professional gaming, you're not really ever building up your blood pressure that much unless you're actually in a match because of just nerves and so forth. But I want to be warm. I want to be fluid. I want to be shooting my shots that I need to shoot. So I'm always basically trying to be in a warm-up you know, or be warm. I don't want to be cold. And, uh, so those were some of my few tricks I used to not be getting nervous in tournaments and, and they worked. So it was, uh, you know, I didn't care if it was 90 degrees. I was wearing a fleece. <laughs> so, you know, I, I, I was sweating like crazy. I was like, dude, I don't care. Like I'm playing my game exactly. How I want to play it. And, uh, you know, that, you know, I just, I was superstitious, like crazy. You know, I, if it, if it wasn't broken, I didn't fix it. So, uh, so I was, uh, you know, I had superstitious things like where I go to the bathroom and like wash my hands with four paper towels, then I throw them away and I grab one more and do it in between my fingers, uh, just to, you know. <laughs> so I, I was like very super. I was extremely superstitious. Like. Just like
1: just like sports athletes. I mean, they there's all types of things just like they do. Like before uh, Super Bowls or NBA championships, same thing.
2: Yeah. So it, it's you know you just you get in that mindset, you know. And if I ever lost a tournament, you know, the biggest thing is always learning something from it and then also for me it was like throwing away whatever revolved around that tournament. <laughs> so if I wore a shirt that day I usually didn't wear or something like that I would throw it away. I would be like dude, cuz you don't want to remember that stuff. You want like, to be
1: burning the demons. <laughs>
2: yeah, like you just want to get it out of your system. So uh so I was uh I was very unique in all those uh all those ways.
1: I was wondering as far as when you were talking about like making that jump and then also like you're, you're also growing. Like So when you start off, you have to practice. You have to make the move to tournaments. You have to know how to make the right decisions. And that is, you're building the business because obviously there's people who had skill but then they didn't go that route. Maybe they decided, hey, you know what, now I'm going to go off and do other things. And you said, you know what, I'm going to build this brand. I'm going to make this, you know, my path. Along the way, I'm sure there must have been people who either said that they wanted to go with you on this journey or people that you said, hey, come with me. And I've just seen that uh, people, whether it's they're trying to make movies, write books, do comics, there's always people who say they want to come, and then there's people that you want to bring with you, and then they fall to the wayside. Did you have that experience too where you wanted to bring people and either they couldn't keep up or they fell to the side? Or people wanted to jump on with you, and you're like, I'm sorry, but you, this is a journey you can't take with me. Did you have experiences like that?
2: Um, well, you know, I mean, I was able to sponsor a lot of gamers and so forth, but, you know, um, and they, they definitely hopped on and so forth. But then, you know, the thing is the games change, so it's always evolving. Um, you know, you can't really have a guy hop on and then be a part of it forever because eSports is always changing. Um so you know it's really hard to have that and then also they have their own ego they want to be the star they want to be the uh, the brand um, yeah. so uh, there's a definitely a big competition there and um, it's just it's very hard to balance that and to explain that all the time some some gamers did get it though I mean I had uh, you know Zen and you know uh, uh, some other gamers that were totally hundred percent behind it you know they uh, they supported me a thousand percent. And um, you know, I wish I could have kept them going with me, but it just you know, things don't work out, and you know, they go the wayside. So, you know, they go the wayside. Uh, you know, they're still my friends and so forth. But they just they don't keep up with the esports thing, and they're just you know, in reality, it's just you know, to make money in esports, you have to be at the top tier. I mean, that's the only way about it. Yeah. Um, it's not like the NFL, where like if you get signed as a backup, you're still making a half a million a year. <laughs> so
1: exactly. Do you have yeah. doubters like people? Because I I know that especially in, in um, if you're trying to do something, especially if it seems like something that is um, that can be risky, um, even if it's like, let's say, and you you go to Hollywood and you say you want to be an actor, yeah, you know, and people say, oh, you know, you need to grow up, you need to change that. Yeah. I mean, obviously, you had success and it was very good success, so maybe it was less on your end because they could see that success. But did you have people say, you know what, you had your fun? go do something else did you have those distractors you know during- for sure
2: I mean you know I mean everything from my old manager at my job at the golf course where I was uh, a waiter when I was eight you know 16 17 18 years old um, to you know even other pro gamers you know Machiavelli a guy I played my very first final against uh, in the USA at uh, at the CPL event down there in Dallas where I won 40 grand uh, he uh, you know I saw a forum post of him talking about how I was going to be working at McDonald's in five years. So, wow. uh, so you know, there was a lot of you know, I used a lot of that hate and a lot of that uh, you know as fuel. It 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 inspired me to do more and to be better. You know, I mean, and you know, I was the you know being the Johnny Appleseed running around the the world, spreading the love of esports uh, is what I did. So, I knew everyone you know, heard or knew the name Fatality and I was like, how do I take advantage of this? And that, that was, the idea was, you know, create my own brand, create my own park line and sponsor myself, you know? I mean, don't rely on these other companies that are wanting to use you for a year or two and then dump you to the wayside. Uh, I wasn't in it for that, you know? And, um, you know, I really love esports and love. Com- I loved competing. Uh, I would compete today still if, you know, if we had serious, uh, you know, Serious salaries guaranteed, like we do in professional sports, for sure. Um, but you know they don't, they're not paying those wages. So um, you know I play my Twitch, I play my games, I entertain people through showing my skill sets. But you know if a game comes around, they're offering like you know maybe ten million for first place prize. Okay, maybe I go back into it, super hardcore. And uh, and obviously if it's a first person shooter. You know, I'm there. You know, so
0: <laughs> I was gonna actually ask that next question: if you would come back and start playing competitively? Yeah,
2: I mean, it's just, it just, I'm not gonna do it to hustle to win ten thousand or thirty thousand no. a year. It just makes no sense. Um, and you know, it, it wouldn't, it, you know, if I if I lose, it all, it only do, all it does is hurt the brand. So True. the the brand's in a great position right now. Um, and you know, people know the brand sometimes even before they know me. So that's not a bad thing, that's actually, uh, it really means good. the brand's working. So so it's pretty cool, I have a lot of funny stories about the brand, you know, people know the brand, they don't know me, they know me, they don't know the brand, uh, you know, people have my headphones, they don't even know they're wearing them on their head, and they're like, oh, that's your, I'm wearing your headphones, you know, and so it's, uh, there's tons of stories going back and forth, uh, and they're all pretty hysterical.
1: Now, as far as... Um on the Twitch channel. So for people that want uh, to tune in, it's TV slash Vitalius, correct? Yeah. So what kind of games uh, w- would they be watching when they tune in?
2: Well, they're going to be, you know, I'm gonna, always going to be playing first-person shooters uh, to some extent, but I do dive into other games, like MOBA games, like The Heroes of the Storm right now. Um, you know, I hop into a lot of different games. I mean, I guess my games I've been streaming is Counter-Strike Go, uh, Battlefield 4, more recently, Titanfall. Um, and then here's of the Storm. Basically, I'm basically playing any eSports game out there. So if it involves competition and eSports, that's the games I'm playing. And I, you know, I play them for fun and to enjoy the game as well. You know, I'm not always, like, trying to get super serious. But believe me, deep down inside, my goal is to win at all times. So sometimes I get a little angry with my teammates, uh, you know, and I start calling them out. And, uh, you know, other times I give them a hard time just, you know, just being, uh, just a little smack talk every once in a while to get under their skin, just a hair, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I have a good time with it. It's a lot of fun for me. Um, I just really love competing and playing and, you know, I would love to play, uh, other games. Um, you know, like I said, in the future professionally, it just, it matters if, uh, you know, the money's right and so forth. I you know, just I don't want like I devoted so much of my life or you know, eight years, nine years of my life to esports and competitive gaming, like, you know, being a competitor and like winning tournaments worldwide that it takes so much out of you. I mean, it's it's you know, it's you know, for eight years I had my head down. You know, I mean I was like no alcohol, no no drinking, you know, like no, I had to run every day, you know, I had to train eight plus hours a day in the virtual world. Um you know, my dad always said, someone else is training harder than you. And I was like, that's not happening. So, I mean, I can't tell you how many times I turned down invitations to the Playboy Mansion, you know. Uh, <laughs> you know, so, so, you know, I turned down like at least three or four. And the and the fifth time I went, the fifth time I got invited, I actually I was working. So I had to work there for a championship gaming series. So, um, you know, I just – I always refused anything that would – uh, deteriorate from me training and winning tournaments. So that was kind of the cool th- fear factor I had going in tournaments. Everyone knew I came ready to play. And uh, a lo- I won a lot of matches and tournaments literally because they were just scared. So um, so that that was a definitely uh, kind of my calling sign. I, I had a, I was very mystique about how I went to tournaments, how often I would expose myself to the public. I would always stay in my hotel room training uh, there with, you know, table set up and so forth my training buddies. And um, you know, I always had a very stern look on my face, uh, because, you know, I want to make sure I instilled fear in my opponents. Uh I would always go up to them and shake their hands before the match. I thought that was also an advantage to me. Uh it was it was a sportsmanship move for sure, uh first and then uh it eventually became like, wow, like these people actually get scared when I shake their hands. Like I they're already shaken So Ooh. so then I was like, that's very interesting. So um that was kind of my uh, my motto. I had a very uh, very zen like uh, approach to how I played the game and how I approached it uh, in a lot of different forms and factors to give myself the most advantage and and it worked. You know, it was it was definitely working.
1: Did you ever moment where someone like it backfired? Like you know, you shook someone's hand and they intimidated you?
2: Oh no, never. <laughs> no. <But> I, you <laughs> have to. Realize,
1: I, <laughs> yeah,
2: I, I'm coming in for the kill. Like I'm not <laughs> I'm not messing around. Like they they know it too. They know. It. But like I'm the first one to go for the handshake. I've I got a uh, award with esports, a lifetime achievement award with the the Turtle Entertainment ESL and so forth. Uh you know talking about how I brought sportsmanship to esports, you know? I mean, cuz you know, people didn't shake their hands before matches back in the day, you know? They just let's log in, let's play, and like play. And it's like, no, no, this is a real match taking place. This is battle. This is war. This is like playing a sport or playing anything else. A it, match is taking place, so uh, handshakes have to happen, and uh, even after the game, a good game, and just being a good sport uh, goes a long way, and, and I always try to uh, talk about that and, and do that.
1: Was there ever an opponent that had like a, a, a swagger? I mean, because I admit, like I, I've watched you know, like, gameplay footage, but I am—I haven't been exposed to actual seeing people, too many people play in person. And I always imagine, like, if there was someone who would be, like, almost like the wrestlers you see on TV. Like, yeah. was there anyone that had a persona, like, just walked out with, like, 200 well, girls and be like, this is going to be my persona as a gamer?
2: Well, this guy Machiavelli, I mean, he's really old school, but, like, uh, he he was a character like this guy had so much smack talk. He would talk smack to the cameras all the time and he was actually really good. Uh, so it was really funny to see him use this approach. And um, the funny thing, the, the one thing that allowed me to maybe get past him was he reminded me so much of my friend in high school that I uh, that was my tennis teammate in high school. So, and he would talk so much crap to me every day in, in the hallway uh, in tennis practice, uh, he'd be like, You don't even look athletic and you're good. It's weird. You know, like, he would have all this, all these, like, little slime ball, like, you know, stuff he would say to me, right? And, uh, and I would just laugh at it because I, I actually saw it as humorous. And then when Machiavelli started doing I was like, I've already seen this for four years. I went to high school, you know? <laughs> so, uh, so for me, I thought that was an advantage, but I think other gamers could definitely get scared by him because I, I think uh, he does intimidate people a little bit at, with his uh, cockiness and so forth. And they're like, oh, I I have to beat him or I have to play smart. I have to beat this guy. He's such a jerk. And like you know, and then they end up losing because they just get so wound up in the the whole thing with him, you know?
1: Definitely,
0: definitely. <laughs> That's awesome. What, what do you feel is the next big move for esports? Like, how does it end up going from just being an inter- internet-like sensation that it is to something serious like a big league like in the like an NFL?
2: Well, you know, we're doing very well with the online numbers, I think, for the, some of these tournaments. I mean, obviously, they're at live events like CBIT and, uh, you know, the Intel Extreme Masters and you know, all that jazz and even League of Legends being at the Staples Center just last year. So, um, it seems like the game, you know, the game developers are starting to, you know, kind of catch wind of how they should should be doing it. Um, but, you know, as they go into as, like, a big mainstream sport, I mean, I mean, online it really is when you have that many viewers logging in to watch it. I mean, it's probably more than, you know, like a hockey game. Um... So, uh, and there's no language barrier in those games either, so, I mean, the only language barrier is the commentator, which, you know, which we are, we have, you know, They're every language, you know, when, I'm sure when the League of Legends Riot Finals, they had every language there commentating the match and, and shoutcasting it, you know, um, so it's done very professionally, and, uh, you know, it definitely still needs to step its game up in other genres, um, but, you know, everyone's trying their best right now, I mean, ESL, MLG, uh, Riot with LCS. Um, there's a, there's a lot of leagues out there that are tr- definitely trying to push it that way, and you know they're all competing and trying to make it work.
1: As far as media events or conventions, uh, what do you have coming up? I'm
2: actually uh, leaving here uh, on. I'm leaving tomorrow. I'm actually going down to uh, see Gearbox Software and talk. Uh, I, I'm friends with the uh, Randy and Christy over there and uh, they want to show me some new stuff they're working on and and then after that I'm going to St. Jude's Hospital in Memphis, Tennessee. They're going to have me at their like a media day. Um they want to, you know, bring gaming to the to the hospital and me to meet the kids and learn how they do their their charity stuff and how they take donations and all that stuff and they just want to have me there as a media day as a gamer. I think they think uh that'd be pretty exciting for some of the people there. And um, after that, going to Newegg to do a prom- promotion for my new motherboards, Fatality motherboards. And uh, gosh, what after that? I, 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 like, I feel like I have so much stuff going on. Then I have my dad coming and visiting visit me. He comes like once a year, so I'm going to have my dad out to hang out with him for like five days. And He's still back in Missouri and Kansas City, so I spent some time with him. And after that, I think uh, you know E3 will be coming up, Computex in Taiwan. There's a there's a lot of other events coming up, so this is kind of like yeah I would say always the first six months of every year is like my busiest time, and then you have QuakeCon coming up in July, so there's just a lot of things. I'll probably I'll definitely be running my Fatality pre QuakeCon tournament again where I you know I put some uh, money together and some prize packages together and do like uh, the weekend before QuakeCon we do like a simulation of the tournament that's going to happen in in a following week, so it allows us to. uh, kind of pump it up a little bit and and you know quake is where I came from so I always like giving back to that community that's after cool. that after that I you know oh then I'm going to dubai I'm uh, IGN <laughs> flying me out to Dubai to talk on a panel so that's, oh, uh, awesome yeah it's it's I never been to Dubai so this is be my first time I'm actually lo- really looking forward to it so i I feel like my schedules really packed right now and uh, I'm leaving tomorrow morning like everything's just like happening like really fast so
0: Hey, Dubai, like, cool. Dubai, looks kind of like the backdrop that you have behind you.
2: <laughs> yeah, I think I, from what I saw, they have like even taller buildings and crazier stuff out there. So I'm, yeah. I'm really looking forward to checking that out. I mean, uh, yeah, Dubai is I'm insane. Gonna, I think I'm gonna stay for like maybe a week or like five more days just to take it all in.
1: Well, that's cool. A bunch of us are gonna be out at uh, A3, so uh, maybe we'll see you out there.
2: No, that'd be awesome. I'll definitely be there.
1: All right. Well, I want to, you know, want to thank you for for coming on the show again. I mean, it was great being able to see you and talk to you again and hear about all the things that was going on. And we definitely would like to have you back whenever you have some time to talk about, you know, what's been happening and and also about, especially you know, maybe around uh, when you were doing the quake, uh, the pre-quake tournament. It'd be cool to hear about that and how that went.
2: Yeah, that'd be awesome. That'd be great.
1: All right. So, guys, I just want everyone to know that this show will be up on our. YouTube page and you'll be able to see it there as as well as an article and on the article I will have links to Fatality's website as well as his Twitch page and you'll be able to find all the information there and for people who may not be able to watch the episode we're also going to be transferring this so that you can listen to it in podcast format on our Stitcher radio and in iTunes so I just want to thank everybody for listening or watching or both and Joshua also thank you for coming on and talking, co-hosting on the show.
0: Oh, and it was a course, pleasure. <laughs> it's definitely a pleasure. You get to hang out with Fatality anytime. <laughs> for sure, for sure. Thanks, man. So we're going to be back with another
1: episode of the Obsolete Gamer show very, very soon. But until then, remember our motto, never stop gaming. We'll see you guys soon.